Hi, good morning, everyone, and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan, and this is our sub series. I'm JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima, Japan, and collaborating with. Hi, I'm Tova Kinoka, and uh, I'm usually I'm in Yokohama, Japan. Today I'm coming to you from Ebis in central Tokyo, where it's lovely and sunny, but a little bit breezy. And the, we've had a long break uh, since we had our last short takes and updates. Um, focused on sustainable trends and sustainability ideas, hopefully to inspire us all, whether you're in Japan or not. And we actually have spent this break time outside of Japan. I went to Hawaii and I discovered some great products and some great initiatives happening there, but also hurdles, you know, like、uh, things that I expected to be better than Japan.、Um, actually, Japan is doing better, and then things that are happening in Hawaii. Oh, wow, wouldn't it be great if we had that in Japan too?、Um, and one of the things I discovered was this great sun cream called Little Hands.、Ooh. And it's got a great story made in Hawaii. Hawaii just passed a law about reef safe sunscreen. Oh, and、uh, this, of course, I was very attracted to because it is not plastic <laughs> and it is made in Hawaii. It's in this beautiful little tin.、Um, they've got a, a wonderful story about、uh, the founder who is a nurse and her family and them making it, and、uh, everything is plastic free and it doesn't damage the reef. Um, so, I'd highly recommend. I don't know if you can get it outside of Hawaii,、um, but you know, I'll get in touch with them. Maybe I can talk to the founder and she can inspire someone to make a Japanese version or we can start importing.、Um, I was using it, I was looking for a foundation、uh, which was non plastic, and one of the local health food shops recommended this because it is tinted. Um, so, you got that sun cream, and I use it as foundation. So, it's a perfect combination. Yeah. How about、right. you, Tova? You were in South Korea. So, yeah, I was in South Korea. So, first、uh, business trip or overseas business trip、uh, since COVID. So, it was really nice to get out and, and be working with some different people in a different place, somewhere I'd never been before as well.、Um, so, I was there for the Ichion Forum, which is organized by SK Corporation. So, the second largest. Um, organization in Korea, South Korea.、Um, the whole four days of the forum was on ESG, and the, the plenary session、um, that I was part of was looking specifically at the S in ESG, the social. Part of it and why that's important for business.、Um, it's often overshadowed, I think, by the E side. The E side is better understood.、Um, there's more activity on that, which is good. I mean, it's, it's so urgent that that absolutely needs to happen. But we were talking on the panel discussion about how deeply interconnected the E and the S are. Um, and really, if we want to solve a lot of the environmental issues that we're dealing with, we need to look at the human side. Why are these things happening? Why is deforestation happening?、Um, you know, why is the、uh, you know, water being polluted, et cetera, et cetera? So it was really interesting to look at that. Um, and I think one of the key insights that came out in the discussion as well was、um, we were talking. I think there was a question from the, the audience or the, the SK sort of senior leadership there, and we had another few hundred people online.、Um, and they were saying, look, you know, it's, it's difficult to measure the S 
you know, there's not so much quantitative data around that yet. And it's, you know, the visibility on the people side and supply chains is also much harder to, to see. Um, and we were talking about the sort of qualitative versus quantitative data and saying that actually companies need to just get more comfortable about dealing with qualitative data and a tracking it in the first place but also learning to trust it a little more i mean it might not be hard numbers but it's still relevant it's still showing us how are people feeling are they feeling included are they feeling treated fairly in their workplace or as a, a vendor or a supplier um and looking at that data and then setting actions around that. So that that was a really sort of interesting insight, I think, that came out of it. Wow, that's great. It sounds really uh, insightful, but also very um, actionable. Like how yes. can businesses actually uh, use this as part of their branding? Um, you also yep. mentioned before we started that you you had talked to people about the, the gender issues and the diversity issues in Korea. And uh, this connects back to our event that we did together, Women Inspire Sustainable yes. Japan. Uh, I've gone on to do another one in Onomichi right before I went to Hawaii. And then I've got another one coming up uh, in another rural area of Japan. But you've mm -hmm. also had, I'll just mention that one, uh, yep. So it's going to be October 16th, Sunday, 9 to 5 in a wonderful area of rural Japan, about an hour away from Hiroshima City. And we're going to be at an organic farm, an old house that she's renovated. Uh, now San, now Fujioka, who's the co-host, uh, she's hosting the venue. And it's her old house that she's renovated. We'll have the event yep. at, they have an organic farm in front. Um, so it's going to be a, a great event. Definitely save the date. More details coming out soon. Um, but Tova, you actually had two collaborators from the original Women Inspire event in Yokohama, Tokyo, Tokyo uh, yeah. which, which uh, you did another event for women in law. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so one of the people who attended the um, Women to Inspire Sustainable event, uh, Japan event that we did back in May. Um, so she attended as, a, as an attendee um, and she's a, a lawyer based in Tokyo. And she's also part of the organizing committee for the Women in Law Japan group. So she approached me after the, the event in May and said, look, you know, this was really interesting. And I, I'm curious to know, could you do a session like this, shorter one, for um, lawyers to look at how uh, the legal profession is connected into sustainability action and what, you know, how we need to be working with clients or, you know, inside companies to look at that. So that was really interesting. You can see from the image here, one of the things we talked about was the shift from seeing sustainability as an obligation where it's about the compliance and reporting, risk mitigation, ticking the boxes, meeting the minimum standards to moving beyond that, to think longer term, bigger picture, um, and understand, okay, how can we kind of future-proof our companies? How can we, once we've got things going well within our own organizations, how can we then look towards um, advocacy and raising the bar for everyone on environmental standards, on social standards, and, um, you know, things like that? So it was really interesting. We had a mix of um, in-house lawyers uh, working for 
big companies where they advise you know the different functions within their organization and we also had a lot of private practice who of course work with very very different types of companies and industries so we were looking at for them you know understanding first of all where do they fit into this picture as a profession as lawyers um, and how can they engage then effectively with their different stakeholder groups so rather than coming at it from a kind of this is the the rule you must do this kind of perspective which is the obligation and people generally don't respond terribly positively to that to looking at okay how can we look at what's possible here let's look further down the line and how can we do better on this yes here's the minimum bar we've met that great how can we go beyond what's our next step how can we collectively um, push things forward so that was really nice and we had lots of sort of great feedback from that people feeling um, like they had a better understanding and more inspired to go back um, into their their sort of networks and take the conversations forward from there so that was really fun to work with a, a specific group on this topic yeah. That sounds great. And I remember uh, after the original Women Inspire event, was that in April or May? I'm trying May, to think. I think it was in the end, wasn't it? <laughs> we had to be um, that you were saying that uh, Catherine O'Connell was one of the ones who said, I'm going to put some of these ideas into work. Yeah. And so it's, it's great yeah. to see that that event, that action has yeah. grown out of that first event. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, no, that was really, really rewarding to see. That's great. Uh, speaking of actionable, um, one of the things that I was really excited about uh, was being able to visit uh, Reuse Hawaii when I was in Hawaii. Whenever I travel, I try to uh, include sustainability in my travel and learn new things, even about somewhere that I grew up. Um, so Reuse Hawaii, what they're doing is deconstruction instead of uh, letting things, uh, if you're remodeling or rebuilding a house, uh, mm -hmm. just going to landfill. So they're getting in with a team and deconstructing, uh, salvaging any usable materials or furniture or appliances, and then reselling it at their facility. And uh, so it was... Oh, it was yeah. great. It was great to see. And it, it had so much possibilities for Japan. Yeah, uh, we, we have a similar problem in Japan where old, very usable material houses are completely destroyed. Yeah. Everything's just burnt or put into landfill. We have the same problem. Mm -hmm. um, so it's wonderful to see this organization very popular and very yeah. supported by the local community. So mm -hmm. I did a walking tour around the facility with one of their staff, Harley. And so that video is going up this week. Brilliant. I've been I've been working on it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. really, it you know, it is about Hawaii. It's not about Japan, but there's so many parallels and so many inspiration there that we could draw on and hopefully somebody out there uh, will try to apply this where they are in the world yeah. anywhere right yeah yeah exactly this is the kind of concept that could be taken and applied anywhere because I'm sure you know there are plenty of things we've I think talked about you know sort of clothes before and clothing swaps and you know things like that but yeah, and everything around you in the house and the materials it's made from itself, a lot of those could be reused, repurposed, uh, resold. So it'd be great to see that happening elsewhere too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have an interesting event. Your co-founder is there in Manchester right now. Tell us about One World. 
Okay, so One Young World Japan, oh, sorry, One Young World um, globally is an incredible organization uh, that has a summit every year, different country every year. Um, They bring young leaders, as you can see, our delegation from PwC Japan there with my my colleagues, Steph and Gavin. Um, They bring them together for four days for a really inspiring summit to learn about what's happening in the world on different issues. They choose um, plenary themes each year. So this year, I think there's conflict resolution, um, very topical, of course. Climate, of course, is up there. Um, Gender equality, um, healthcare, equity and access, things like this. And they bring together these young leaders from countries all over the world, but they also bring them together with um, business leaders, um, politicians, activists, MPO heads um, for uh, sort of four days of deep dive discussions, workshops, uh, networking so that they can all learn from each other, make connections, get inspired, hopefully, you know, meet people that they can collaborate with moving forward um, and take ideas and inspiration back, you know, when they when they come back here or to their various countries to look at how can they really move things forward there. So very excited. They had their opening ceremony last night um, and they're all completely buzzing from that, from what I could see on the chatter. Um, so I'll be looking forward to hearing over the next few days what are the, the sort of key insights and learnings coming out of that. That's great. Uh, what a what a great uh, forward thinking uh, kind of project that's been going on for quite a while, right? The One Young World. So One Young World started, I think it's about 12 years ago now, uh, maybe a little more um, in London. It's an MPO. Um, but like I said, it moves around every year and it gets incredible um sort of people involved. We've had several uh, current and former prime ministers there as councillors, people like J.K. Rowling, um, uh, who else? Uh, Kofi Annan, before he passed away, was one of the sort of linchpins of the whole thing. Paul Polman from Unilever or former Unilever is always there. Um, So some really um, high profile people who have done amazing stuff. Plus, these incredible young leaders, they're the most amazing thing. You hear, you know, somebody standing up from, um, I think, a couple of years ago when I was there, this young lady from Afghanistan who was a doctor, which in itself is unusual, female doctor from Afghanistan. But she was standing up against um, trying to get rid of the practice of virginity testing for young women before marriage and stuff like this and speaking out and, and, you know, taking action against that. Just incredible young people doing incredible things that you know us sitting in our nice safe little worlds here probably can't even fathom what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and they're going out there they're actually making a difference and the the impact that they can have when that is amplified and given a platform and supported um, is really quite amazing. I did see that when I went to the OBGYN, that still happens in Japan. It's not mandatory, but it is something that people voluntarily yeah. do be- before they start matchmaking, I think. Yes. I was really yeah. surprised to see that even in Japan, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It, it seems, yes, to us, to our Western minds, I suppose that that seems like something from centuries ago, but it is still happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, one of the talking about training and, and preparing for the future, one of the things that, that I started in June uh, was these six week courses. I did a 10, 10 day intensive course and then I'm doing these uh, once a week, six week courses. And the idea is it's kind of like the university class I would like to teach, which doesn't <laughs> exist now. <laughs> There are any um, universities so, listening. <laughs> right? If anybody's listening. Um, yeah. So I have taught classes uh, like a sustainable seminar, like a sustainability focused in business and travel. Uh, so this is open to anybody who's interested in just talking about sustainability issues in Japan. And uh, we've had some great students so far, really small classes, uh, just a really great chance to hear from them what are the struggles that they're mm -hmm. having uh, in work, travel, and life. And what are some of the great innovations and great ideas happening around Japan, which I get a chance to introduce, which I've been researching for more than 10 years now and visited many of them myself. So um, that's been really great. Also Brilliant. a great learning experience for me. I love learning from the students <laughs> and what they're interested in as well. Yeah. Right? And great timing, you know, Japan's just beginning to open up again to tourism. And I think people, you know, traveling now are much more conscious of the impact they're having as travelers. So it would be really wonderful to see more people in the industry taking courses like this and understanding what they can do. What are the expectations of people and what's possible? Like you say, there's so much innovation out there in these, you know, hidden corners that nobody ever hears about. So it'd be great to see that you know, yeah. word spreading and those practices spreading as well. Yeah. And starting from a very basic foundation, mm -hmm. I think we, we take it for granted that everybody knows what sustainability is, that people know what SDGs are, yeah. that they know how it works in the real world or how it doesn't, what the hurdles are. But man, people do not. No. Uh, you know, and we, we had a meeting the other day with a quite big mm -hmm. uh, tourism organization in Japan, and they were supposed to come up with new ideas about SDGs and how they relate to tourism. And they basically said, we got nothing. We can't think of any way it connects. And I'm like, okay, that's where I come in. Uh, yeah. I'm happy to help. I'm glad when people are honest and just yes. say, I yeah. really can't see it. I don't see the connection, you know? So yeah, I'm yeah, sure absolutely. you get that a lot too in oh, consulting, totally. right? Yeah, totally. We, I mean, with the companies as well. I mean, very often there's so much talk at the top of companies about what they need to do and, and you know, the, the setting the goals and the strategy. And that's great, but very often that doesn't get cascaded down. And then the poor people who are actually tasked with delivering on these strategies and goals are left going, well, how does this connect to me? You know, if I'm in the, the marketing function or the, you know, procurement or the finance group or whatever, or admin side, how on earth does this connect to my job day to day? You know, I, I don't, see that and unless they see that how can they take action and shift and understand why this is important for the company so i really think just yeah connecting those points the awareness the education on and then helping them identify the actions they can take um, is so important and also to help them kind of uh, talk about and communicate clearly what they are doing, which is more sustainable than the typical, which often they are doing it and they're taking it for granted, but they're right. not talking about it as part of their branding. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a missed opportunity there. So that, yeah. that can be a way that consultants like us could really help 
draw that out and help yeah. them use that as part of their narrative about their Absolutely. product and business, right? Right. And I think that builds positive momentum, right? Because if people realize that, okay, what, we're doing this and that's already a good thing, we're in, heading in the right direction, that's going to give them motivation. That's much better than saying, okay, now you must do this differently and, um, you know, must, must, must back to that obligation opportunity. Again, like we were talking about with the lawyers, if they can see that, you know, that, that's a wonderful motivator. Yeah. And like you had in the graphic, going above compliance, right? Yes. Like going before the rules come in, because they are going to come in. The they rules are. and regulation are coming. So yeah. if you can have it as part of your company's mission, your company's brand philosophy, um, you're ahead of the game and you're laughing when compliance issues come in for other organizations, right? Exactly. Yeah. It just takes a, a bit of uh, longer term thinking, bigger picture thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a shout out to Ian on LinkedIn. Thanks for joining English Vera and Z on YouTube. Great to have you guys with us this morning. Um, now, speaking of connections and forward thinking, you've got another interesting event coming up for the BCCJ. Do you want yep. to talk about that? Yes, thank you. So um, the uh, event is Hacking Sustainability for SMEs, as you can see there. Uh, 15th of September, it's open to BCCJ members and non-members alike. Um, we're going to keep it fairly small. We're capping numbers at, I think, around 30 people. It's going to be in person. Um, and the idea is we want to look at, um, for SMEs, as part of uh, a much bigger supply chain, perhaps working with larger organizations, they're under a lot of pressure, right? A lot of the big companies setting their goals are saying to their suppliers, their vendors, their smaller partners, okay, well, this is our goal. So for us to meet that, you have to comply as well. We need to know what your carbon footprint is, or you know, we need to know that your you have policies around um, uh, sort of diversity and uh, fair trade and things like this. And for SMEs who don't have big budgets or whole teams that can work on this, that's really hard. A, knowing where to start, they don't have the, the expertise necessarily, but also they just don't have the resources that large organizations have to work on this. So we're going to look at that. What are the key challenges coming up? What can they take action on? Where can they find the information they need? How can they partner with other organizations as well to help each other on this? So we've got... Um, we're hosting it at Intralink, um, which is a, a company that works um, globally on connecting sort of innovation partners and, and helping companies get into new markets like Japan. Um, so they're hosting it and they've been doing some great work just themselves as a company saying, look, we need to take action on this. We can't uh, feel good about advising our clients on things like this unless we're taking, you know, walking the talk. Um, so they're going to to share what they've been working on what what they've done that succeeded and what they're struggling with which i think is really great to hear a company honestly talking about that and saying look we're trying this it's really hard so help any ideas um but we've also got a guy called ron tutsui uh from no harm japan association um or Japan No Harm Association, try and get the name right. Um, so they are an MPO that works with, um, again, smaller companies, helping them 
understand and they advise on a sort of sustainability strategy for the companies that, you know, that can't afford to go out and get the big consulting firms to help them make the strategy. Um, Japan No Harm Association helps them um, with that. So it'd be really great to hear their point too. But then we're going to get into discussion actually in teams and get very, very granular and practical. So it'd be great uh, to see people join that. I love that idea. Uh, first, do no harm, which mm. is the science and the, the medical profession's motto, right? Yeah. Um, that whatever you're trying to do, the first thing you should make sure you don't do is harm. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's a, a great <laughs> first step. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think beyond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of harm, unfortunately, uh, one of the things I did worry about and notice uh, was plastic pollution. Uh, this is a picture in Hiroshima at one of the uh, monthly riverside and beach cleanups that we do here. And a lot of the waste that we see is from the oyster industry. I've mm -hmm. talked about this before, these tubes that you see here, which are the spacers. Uh, between the oysters that hang in the floating oyster beds in the ocean, in the Seto Naikai. <clears throat> and unfortunately, I did see them in Hawaii on the beaches there. Um, now, I, there is no tag, there is no company name or QR code, which I think there should be. Mm. Um, but these are exactly the same size and shape that we see here. And so we know, I think we can, we can say safely that a lot of the plastic pollution we're picking up by the thousands on the beaches here yeah. is making yeah. its way all the way over to Hawaii and California and the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and uh, creating plastic pollution around the world. So this is something that I really want. I'm so passionate about trying to find mm -hmm. solutions to here. Yeah. Uh, in Japan, where it is the tap that we need to turn off, right? Yeah. Um, so going back to old solutions, like we used to make pipes out of bamboo and wood. Uh, yeah. We used to use rope. We used to use glass bottles as floaties instead of styrofoam. Mm -hmm. uh, we have old solutions that we really need to think about going back to. Um, yeah. There was one local oyster entrepreneur we talked to, and he said, actually, using bamboo has other good knock-on effects, like it repels the um, certain bacteria and viruses. Hmm. So, you know, there could be really positive yeah. things um, by making these changes. So, yeah. That was kind of, it was gut-wrenching, but it kind of spurred me on as well that this is something I am at the source of that I can yeah. try to, you know, help in some way. So Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I noticed in 2014 in Hawaii, I was so impressed with the plastic bag ban. Um, they completely got rid of plastic bags under regulation. And then during COVID, they wanted to support all the businesses, which were really struggling. And they said, whatever you need to do in terms of takeout and stuff, go ahead and do it. So it's been a real step back. Mm -hmm. uh, like Japan now in Hawaii, you see plastic bags, pla plastic cutlery, single-use plastics going out with everything without yeah. the staff asking because they don't have time and everybody's mm. masked up, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it was sad to see that step back, but it sounds like um, the government is on top of going back to that ban now that mm -hmm. business is going back, tourism is going back. Um, yeah. It's nice to see strict regulation kind of 
being mm-hmm. put in place and then businesses following. Because like you said, yeah. most businesses only change when it's something they have to do, not yes. something that they yeah. should do, right? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I mean, that that definitely is a catalyst for this. And I think otherwise, even when there is good intention around wanting to change, it costs. And if one company you know, takes that plunge that that obviously hits their their profit. So it's kind of seems unfair that, you know, that should all be on one particular company, um, that responsibility to do it. So if we can get the legislation in place that raises the bar for everybody and says, no, you have to do this at least, then, you know, that that I think drives things much more quickly in that sense. But in the meantime, I hope there are organizations, and I know there are many in Japan and Hawaii and around the world, um, that are going above and beyond. And yes. quite a lot of them are these long-running Japanese businesses, which have that embedded idea of taking care of community and environment as a part of doing business. Mm-hmm. And that's why they've been so successful for so many years. Um, so if they can use that as a part of their branding, that should attract more customers who we know are looking for more sustainable services and products, right? Yeah, absolutely. But also tapping back into it. I think it's, you know, in the rush of, you know, having to be competitive, particularly as globalization has, has opened up um, the world and, and brought new competitors in, it's a lot of that has been kind of quietly forgotten I think so it's great if we can see companies remembering that tapping back into it and saying you know we used to do this we can do this really well actually let's go back to that um, you know adapt it for the the modern context but there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom and practices there that I think really could be um, revitalized. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just one more minute remaining. So in terms of our book, I know that uh, you also received your book just yes, yes. by Asby Brown. Uh, the new paperback is finally being shipped out. Uh, this is a fantastic book of lots of old solutions, uh, which should be brought out, uh, brought back by a circular economy that was used in the Edo period, uh, sustainable farming practices, the Satoyama. There's so many fantastic examples here. So definitely recommend uh, picking up your paperback copy, which is more reasonably priced of just enough uh you got yours as well right yes yeah i I, for ages i've been waiting for it and i kept getting emails saying it's delayed it's delayed it's delayed and finally it arrived so i'm really looking forward to reading that awesome uh so we're gonna finish right on 30 minutes thank you everybody for joining it's wonderful to reconnect to you again tova let's try to do this once a month likewise no it was really good to talk and i think there's a lot going on and and hopefully a lot to inspire people so uh, looking forward to doing this again awesome thank you everybody for joining thank you so much tova and uh, go out and have a great day we'll see you next month for this sub series thanks everyone take care thank you thanks jj i show my tears to you i'm stronger I dropped the armor, now I'm bolder.